Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy New Year and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. Here's a quick announcement. Our January heart-centered and passion-driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their families, and loved ones is live at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. January's theme is The New Me, The Journey Begins. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO, of your family. So please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our radio show today, my guest for this morning is Granddaughter Crow, also known as Dr. Joy Gray. Granddaughter Crow holds a doctorate in leadership. She is internationally recognized as a medicine woman who comes from a long line of spiritual leaders as a member of the Navajo Nation. Due to her academic achievements, Granddaughter Crow is also a Delta Mu Delta Honor Society member. She was voted Women of the Year in 2015 by the National Association of Professional Women, and in 2016, she was featured in Native Max Magazine in the June-July edition. Granddaughter Crow is also an award-winning author with three books to her credit, The Journey of the Soul, Wisdom of the Natural World, and Belief, Being, and Beyond. Her latest book, Belief, Being, and Beyond, uses a variety of spiritual concepts and scientific findings to engage us in deep self-reflection and growth. In addition to sharing inspiring anecdotes from her life, Granddaughter Crow explores events throughout history from around the world that somehow point to one thing. That is, we are far more alike than we are different. These findings, insights, and wisdom will help us truly know ourselves and empower us to live an open mind, our authentic self. Granddaughter Crow is also one of our featured expert contributors for our January Inspiration for Better Living magazine, Please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her insightful and empowering story, Who is Mom Anyway?, in our Global Village section. As for our kitchen table conversation this morning, Granddaughter Crow and I will be talking about her remarkable life journey and her new book, Belief, Being, and Beyond. Happy Wednesday, Granddaughter Crow, and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing today? Oh, Johnny Tan, thank you so much for that lovely introduction. And, you know, I am doing absolutely wonderful. It is snowing where I'm at this morning, so it's very (laughs) cozy. But I just wanted to say that I am really excited and looking forward to our dialogue today. Yeah. Fantastic. That's really wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you with me. Belief, believe. Being and Beyond is a heart-centered and passion-driven, insightful 
spiritual and educational read, I have to tell you that it's really beautifully written. The information is empowering and awakens the depth of our consciousness. Thanks for sharing and congratulations on its release. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, this is a book that has been within me for many, well, a couple of decades, and <laughs> I am so happy to be able to, to share it with the world. You know, it's, it's very exciting. Very, very exciting. I, I love it. Let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walk through your life from childhood to the present moment. Absolutely, absolutely. So I would begin by saying, Ya'at A, they call me Granddaughter Crow. I am born to the Bilagana clan for the Ta'achini clan, a member of the Navajo Nation, as well as Dutch heritage. My parents met in seminary school, so I was raised uh, under a very uh, devout uh, religious background. I was chosen to be the one who was going to carry the cloak in this religion, and then all of a sudden I did a no-no. I started asking (laughs) questions, and oh my goodness, you're not supposed to ask questions of elders or the Bible or anything, and it started me on my own authentic journey, and I'm not under a religious sect anymore. I would say that I am definitely have grown into just being my authenticity, Um, I love spirit. Spirit reveals itself differently to everyone depending on where we're at. It's, you know, it's too big to fit into one religion, (laughs) in my opinion. And, um, yeah, it it was quite a big journey, but it led me here to be able to, basically my mission is to inspire, to encourage, to empower people to be their authenticity, the sides of a person that, that is, organic within them and just drawing that out because I can only imagine what a beautiful world we would live in if everybody was accepting and honest with who they are and Mm -hmm. able to self-express and and love each other for it. Fantastic. That's really wonderful. Really, really wonderful. What initiated you to be a curious child? (laughs) That's a very good question. Um, You know, I honestly, I guess sometimes when I self-reflect, I think, you know, maybe it's my personality. Um, But, you know, when more of maybe it was spirit that, that put something inside of me that was just like curiosity. Curiosity to me is the internal compass to lead us to our authenticity. So it's kind of like whatever I'm curious about starts opening up a little bit more of my own uh, self-expression and all of that. And so I'm like, follow your curiosity. It will lead you home to your authenticity. So curiosity to me is actually the starting point. And, you know, trust me, when I was little and I was curious, it wasn't necessarily seen as a good thing. But now I'm just I'm, I'm still curious. I am still a curious person. And, you know, Johnny, you were talking about all my degrees and everything. At the end of the day, you know, I am just, I'm still a curious child. And mm-hmm. I learn a lot because I'm curious. And then I share a lot. And then they call me, you know, a teacher, an author. But really the essence of me is that curious child. It's, it's, it's the essence of myself, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. Very, very true. But the interesting thing about curiosity is that that's what's so energizing in a way. 
because it really yes. gets us up every morning and wanting to see what's up. <laughs> yes. Well, like a better yes. So where did that lead you as a teenager? Yeah. So, you know, I would love to tell a story about how easy my life was, but that is not the case. <laughs> my my curiosity led me to um, ask questions about, oh gosh, like the Christian belief system that I was living under said, you know, God is love, except for we need to judge other people because of this or that. And and I didn't understand that concept. I was like, well, if the only way to heaven is through this God and this God isn't shared around the world, because this was before internet and all of that, mm-hmm. then how is that loving? And those were questions that were absolutely seen as blasphemous. And, and um, as you will read in my book, I do talk about this. Um, they literally... Um, asked me to leave the the community, the religion, my biological family. At the age of 17, I was kind of found myself all alone. So sometimes, you know, be, the first step to being authentic is the the stripping of other people and thoughts and everything around you. And for a moment, just like in the hero's journey by Joseph Campbell, you you oftentimes find yourself very much alone, but that's where you start growing, and and that's where, you know, your curiosity can start leading you to your authentic community and your authentic self. Very interesting. So true. When did you realize that you are a tad different from everyone else? That's an excellent question. Um, Honestly, I've always felt different. I've always felt different. and and then when I my difference started leading me down this curiosity, and then the curiosity led me to even standing out even as more different. That, that was that was something. <laughs> but I would say that I've always, you know, although I tried my best to be a good little girl and fit correctly into a certain dogma, you know, I did my best. Mm-hmm. I was very devout when I was young. Um, I still felt different, you know, because I was the pastor's daughter. My father is a reverend. And Mm -hmm. so I always kind of was raised to be uh, a a certain image of this is what a good, you know, Christianized uh, child looks like. You sit in the front row, you sing, you know, you don't move around, you don't laugh, Mm -hmm. you you know, it just be very, very, but I would say that I've always, always felt a little different. And, and I, I guess, for those of you out there that are listening that are like, I, I kind of feel a little different too. I mm-hmm. give you permission to be different because <laughs> it is our it is our differences that can help each other learn more about community and about you know who I am and who you are. I love that. I absolutely love that. Very, very interesting. That's so true. I remember growing up and being quiet. And but I was around friends. There were about fourteen to fifteen of us, plus minus one or two years apart, in the neighborhood. Mm. But yet I'm still quiet. But I'm part of the gang. And looking yeah. back, based on what you just said, I observe a lot. Uh, and yeah. it's fascinating because then you learn, right? Because I've always had yeah. a career yeah. uh, thing about life, love, and whatever you want to call it out there, you know. And so it's about mm-hmm. uh, interesting to kind of just check things out and 
absorb all the information. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. So why pursue a degree in higher education in business? <laughs> so it it's a, quite the opposite, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, when um, so I was raised to believe that you know, I'm going to drop out of school, high school at the age of 16. I'm going to start seminary school, and mm-hmm. I'm going to be a reverend. That that was the that was the the game, uh, the, the yeah. point of of that. And and when I started um, studying more and asking different questions, and not hard, not not like questions as far as being like really rebellious, but questions that I mean, the whole point is you're not supposed to question. And I was doing that, <laughs> and that was the point, you know. And mm-hmm. so when I left my community, uh, religion, and, and biological family at the age of 17, quite honestly, I, Johnny, I ran into the world and I was like, was I brainwashed? I don't, I'm just going to stick to the mundane world. I don't know what this is about. And when I turned 30, so high school was very difficult for me because obviously I had mm-hmm. a lot of other things going on. So I didn't hand in my homework and didn't get good <laughs> grades and all of that. And and I kind of took on this, oh, I must be stupid because I think differently than people. And I, you know, I didn't get good grades, but I did graduate. So then when I was 30 years old, I was like, if I could do anything, like if I had mm-hmm. – plenty of money. I didn't have to worry about anything. What would I do? And the thought came to me, go to college. So I, I started thinking, well, you know, I could major. I mean, one of my things is, is I love philosophy and, mm-hmm. and all of that. But I thought, you know, if you just go into a business, that is a broad enough scope that will lead you wherever you need to go. And so I just the curious child continued to go, continued to go to school, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they hand me a doctorate in, in leadership. And, and now that I turn around and I look at it, I'm like, oh, well, I run my own company. I, you know, encourage the leader within everybody to be their authenticity. So in a weird way, it, it weaves itself right into the story, even though it seems very you know, mm-hmm. counterintuitive. How is a spiritual person getting a doctorate in leadership? And it's like, <laughs> oh, it all blends. It all blends. Right. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. How did your motherhood journey contribute to that decision? Oh, big time. I would have to say that, well, obviously, when I was 17 years old, I felt lost, abandoned, all of it. And I um, just kind of stumbled through life for a couple of years, and and then I found myself pregnant with my most beautiful son, Michael, and, you know, he was just over the house a couple days ago. He's just like this really fantastic person. So I had him when I was about 20, just about to turn 21, and he gave me this feeling of purpose, like, now I have a reason. I have mm-hmm. uh, a, a reason to start doing things. And so I just started doing things, and I tried to be a really good example for him. And he's really my inspiration in a lot of ways. In other words, he actually draw the curiosity that you have to the next yeah. level, sort of fine-tuning it a little bit for you. <laughs> Absolutely. In a, in a very interesting way, he gave me meaning 
once mm-hmm. again, you know, and, and I and I got to raise him as an independent thinker who mm-hmm. he can tell me anything and I will always listen. And so it's it's really kind of fantastic because I was able to become the mom that I think I I was I was wishing that my inner child mm-hmm. had. Yeah. Right, right. Very, very interesting. When did your spiritual gift and curiosity synergies become a life's passion? You know, it's kind of interesting because it's kind of like asking an acorn, when did it decide to become a tree? (laughs) Because it's something that has always been within me, but it was undefined. Mm -hmm. I didn't have uh, a definition around it. And the more that I, I, I started growing, the more that it just started organically coming. And then I started recognizing the theme. And I would have to say that although curiosity, um, in, a, in a strange way, led me to my authenticity, it did lead me to some difficult times. But at the end of the day, those difficult times, Johnny, those difficult times actually <laughs> caused me to, you know, grow more. So I, I started studying world religions. I started studying philosophy. I started studying theology. I started studying mythology. And I started looking around at a variety of different belief systems because I was like, what is the similarity here? And I really found that, you know, all of those world religions, the major world religions have similar themes and stories. And mm-hmm. and my mind just began to grow with, you know, wow, what you believe in, <laughs> whatever that is, actually constitutes your behavior and how you perceive the world and how you behave in the world. And then it just kind of boils up into this beautiful book that, you know, that, mm-hmm. that's here before you believe being and beyond. One of the interesting thing also, because you were in corporate America and so forth, and again, we tend to maybe take it for granted. And then in a way, in today's world right now, diversity is so highlighted in a way, for good, bad, or ugly. And so the fact that you are, for lack of a better term, a mixed race, and then to top it off, uh, generationally, you are on yes. that cuffs of, you know, we women <laughs> kind of yes. being in the, in the corporate world and so forth. How was that experience overall also that sort of kicked in into your yes. totality, so to speak? Oh, I love it. That's an excellent question because absolutely I am Gen X and, you know, so – Raised, you know, born in 1970, and and moving through all of the changes, um, I would have to first say, um, I am First Nation, Native American, Indigenous. I was that, and I live in that that body. Before it was cool, like mm-hmm. I was. Um, a lot of times ashamed of who and what I was, um, and now I am very, very so grateful for both of my bloodlines. But back then, being you know bicultural and being a female, and then going into corporate America where you know women were starting to enter the workplace more and more, and we didn't have to wear skirts; we could wear pantsuits and things like this, <laughs> and. And it really kind of developed my character in that. But then what started happening was I started continuing to ask the world what it wanted me to be. 
mm-hmm. and defining myself based on what they wanted me to be and what they needed me to be. And then all of a sudden I started saying, well, who am I truly beyond what you need me to be? And it, and this duality started kicking in, and I started, the more that I would um, go in corporate America, the more I was like, but I'm not feeling organic. I'm, I'm feeling like a corporate puppet now. Mm-hmm. I was in, like, public relations, media relations, investor relations. So I was the one who was putting the lipstick on the pig, making the presentations, doing the website, all of those things for this company. And I was like, huh. And I went to an astrologer and they said, oh, gosh, you're really good at this. When are you going to stop doing it for others and you're going to start self-doing it for your spirit and for the divine. And I mm-hmm. was just like, that was my first thought. And I ended out leaving corporate America, starting major consulting, doing business as Granddaughter Crow in 2008 in the recession. <laughs> but it worked. It worked. I don't know how I did it, but it worked. Fantastic. Fascinating story. How did the concept of believe, being, and beyond come about? Oh, gosh, this is such a fun little story. Um, So I decided to go to college when Mm -hmm. I was 30. And first night of college, Gen 101 professor does an icebreaker and says, if you were to write a book, what would the title be? So everybody takes five or ten minutes and thinks about it and writes it on a piece of paper what their title would be. And, and so then she starts to go around the room so we could get to know each other. And some guy says, uh, how to ski, you know, how to snow ski and how to snowboard. And I was like, oh, and then another lady is like, how to bake oatmeal cookies. And I'm like, oh. I, and I look at my piece of paper and I'm like, oh, I think I did this wrong. I, I must have went too deep once again. And and they got to me and, and uh, the professor says, you know, what, what do you, what's, what's on your paper? And for a split second, in order to fit in, I almost thought about changing my answer to something mm-hmm. like how to roller skate or, you know, something <laughs> like that. And But I decided in that moment, you know, because curiosity also takes courage, mm-hmm. you know, and in that moment, I had a moment of courage to be myself, even though it has, being yourself is kind of hard to do sometimes coming from the background that I was coming from. And I looked down and I looked up and I looked around and I said, belief, being, and beyond. And I felt an awkward silence roll across the room. And the professor didn't shame me, actually encouraged me and said, well, that sounds interesting. What is that about? And I said, well, yeah. the, way, the way that a person believes constitutes their behavior in the world. Like on a big level, religiously, it leads to wars. And it's just – but also – Um, the way that you believe about your day, like if you believe that brushing your teeth twice a day is going to sustain your teeth, which is actually a truth, so yeah, you should believe that, (laughs) but you will brush your teeth religiously. So from the the biggest connotation of religious beliefs to the lowest connotation of this is how I see myself and this is how I am, you know, who I am, that constitutes mm-hmm. your behavior. Yeah. So, and then 20 years later, there's the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very, very interesting. Yeah. That's a wonderful story. 
interestingly enough, it's because of curiosity that everybody's probably leaning over and trying to find out what the heck she's trying to talk about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Their curiosity. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Oh, very, very interesting. Why did you decide to write this fantastic book? And I have to say again, it's fabulous. I, it, I, I mesmerized with the thoroughness, the detail, information. And as I read the book, I'm picturing, okay, wait a minute now, okay? She's in business. She's supposed to be a spiritual person, but then she's a learned person. How's that? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. And and just to kind of give your audience an overview, um, once you pick up the book, um, it's a, it's a huge weaving between different religions and science and you know and 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 the tarot and astrology and all of this type of thing. If once you get the book, go to the back under appendix. B, and you will see the overarching matrix of this huge weaving. And, and it is a huge weaving, but it also is kind of flows. It's very, mm-hmm. um, it's very readable. So, you know, it's interesting because, you know, my first book, Journey of the Soul, I wrote that um, because I was like teaching a concept or, or introducing a concept. Um, mm-hmm. And my second book, Wisdom of the Natural World, that's another concept, but it's actually something a little bit closer to me. It's something that I do on one-on-one sessions or, or in teachings or, in, you know, in writing. It's working with the natural world to give us, you know, practical and spiritual teachings. But this book was um, me. It was my, my story and, and how I perceived the world. And so it was kind of difficult. It would made me very raw. My editor actually was the one beautiful, beautiful woman. She was the one who kept encouraging me to write these little anecdotal things about my life. And I was right. like, I don't want people to know all of that. But I ended <laughs> up doing it. And I ended up releasing this book. And I ended up going, oh, gosh, you know, what, what are people going to think? But what has happened is people who have this feeling about being an outsider of mm-hmm. uh, any, any community ends out coming back to me, writing me emails going, you encouraged me to be more of my authenticity, even though my story wasn't based the same as yours. I have experienced being on the outside of the community and, and being curious, but not wanting to have a voice and all of this. And so it's, it's really, it really kind of encourages a lot of people just to be their authenticity and, and, and heal from harmful belief systems. Because like, like you said at the beginning, Johnny, is that we are more alike than we are different. You know, we are more similar mm-hmm. than we are different. Yeah, absolutely. Fascinating. That's beautiful. One of the beauty of the book is the fact that you do share anecdotes of your life story. And I think that's critical because people are looking for similarities, not 100%, yeah. but something that they can relate to. And yeah. also the beauty of it it's part of that sort of experiential experience that you share that is real life, real situation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's like taking these huge concepts 
right? These concepts mm-hmm. um, like where did I come from? Who is my hero? What's going to happen after I die? These big concepts that everybody asks and that religion, philosophy, and mythology approach and try to give us an answer. You know, it religiously, where did I come from? Depending on, there's always a creation story in major religions. There's also a creation story in science. And so it's kind of like, and philosophy approaches where did we come from? Mythology approaches where did we come from? And then kind of going into who is my hero? Who is my savior? Who is Who do I need to become? Who, what do I need to emulate? You know, religion, philosophy, mythology, yeah. science, all of this answers. And then, but if we can take all of the, those really huge concepts that are swirling around in, in, the, in the ethos and actually understand what it feels like in a relatable experience, what it looks like in a life and what it feels like within your own being. That's where the information grounds and allows you to start instead of having these huge concepts, but be able to kind of live your own experience on a day-to-day, year-to-year life situation, if that made any sense. <laughs> it does. It really does. I mean, it's fascinating. It really is. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitten Talk Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to our heart-centered and passion-driven Inspiration for Better Living digital magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. January's theme is The New Me, The Journey Begins. My guest for this morning is Granddaughter Crow, also known as Dr. Joy Gray. Granddaughter Crow holds a doctorate in leadership. She is internationally recognized as a medicine woman who comes from a long line of spiritual leaders as a member of the Navajo Nation. Due to her academic achievements, Granddaughter Crow is also a Delta Mu Delta Honor Society member. She was voted Women of the Year in 2015 by the National Association of Professional Women. And in 2016, she was featured in Native Max Magazine in the June-July edition. Red Daughter Crow is also an award-winning author with three books to her credit, The Journey of the Soul, Wisdom of the Natural World, and Belief, Being, and Beyond. Her latest book, as we are covering right now, Believe, Being, and Beyond, uses a variety of spiritual concepts and scientific findings to engage us in depth, in deep self-reflection and growth. In addition to sharing inspiring anecdotes from her life story, Granddaughter Crow explores events throughout history from around the world to somehow points out one thing, that is, we are far more alike than we are different. These findings insights and wisdom helps us to truly know ourselves and empower us to live an open mind, which is our authentic self. Granddaughter Crow is also one of our featured experts contributor for our January magazine. So please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com to read her insightful and empowering story, Who is Mom Anyway? in our Global Village section. And our kitchen table conversation this morning is about Granddaughter Crow's remarkable life journey and her new book. Granddaughter Crow, what is the definition of belief? 
Yeah, that's a good. I think that it is honestly the reason why I focus on the word belief so much is because it is, I have found that it is such a deep, ingrained system that that if whatever one believes, um, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's like mm-hmm. you're agreed upon, I guess, you're agreed upon experience and, and, and the meaning behind your agreed upon experience constitutes your belief system and it can be handed down culturally, generationally, throughout families. And, and, and I think it's Nietzsche uh, who says we need to continue to examine our beliefs and not blindly follow and just go, okay, well, that's what mama told me. That's what my pastor <laughs> told me. That's what this person told me, that we need to examine these so that we can solidify them to make sure that they align with our current situation, you know? And so it's beliefs to me, honestly, um, because of my biological family's belief system, they kicked out their youngest daughter who was supposed to be the golden child. So mm-hmm. beliefs are very, very, very ingrained that causes things like that. But beliefs also cause us to start a nonprofit, to write a book, to, <laughs> to engage in life. And so it's, I don't know exactly how to describe what I would see as a belief system except to say that it is something that is so deep within us that a lot of times it overrides our conscious thought, and so we need to examine it to align it with our current situation and our greatest uh, lived experience as being an authentic person. Do beliefs influence religion, or does religion influence beliefs? Ah, <laughs> chicken and the egg. That's a little chicken, which comes first, chicken and the egg. You know, I would say that we have a need to believe. We have a need to believe because in something, because it provides us meaning. It provides us meaning in, in, in life. And so then because of that need, a lot of times uh, we will need to Define this unknown universal spirit, whatever you want to call it, the divine. Mm-hmm. So we define that, and we define that uh, based on on different religions. On and we define it based on mythology. We define it based on, on philosophy. So I would say there is a need to believe, and the need to believe in something um, actually causes us to move forward in in religions, and then religions affect our our beliefs, and and not just religions. I just to clarify, I think from my position, I look at religion as man-made interpretation of how to connect to that which is unseen, this this force. And then I define spirituality as something that's a little bit more organic where it doesn't have that dogmatic structure, but it absolutely, you know, you find it through the natural world, you find it through astrology, you find it through all of these things, but it's more organic. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a big question, and I hope I approached <laughs> it well, but I love that question. Yeah. That's wonderful. Uh, my understanding is based on my reading of your book is that it's interesting when you mention it, what comes to mind is that all of a sudden right now, religion is that spiritual understanding. But then I picture it like 
each family, as in religion, as in ethnicity or groups, right? So it's yes. the same story, but I have to repackage it to what yes. connects to my tribe, for lack of a better term. And yes. so somewhere along the line, of course, you know, there's a little bit of embellishment here and there. Uh, for better or worse, uh, it's meant to make an impact, so obviously. But in the end, what I gather based on the similarities that you brought forth, that's the essence. And for me personally, I have often tell people, and this is from a layman perspective, nowhere compared to your knowledge and uh, the things that you have done, like I always tell people, you know what, if we stick to the Ten Commandments, not necessarily it's a Jewish thing or whatever, if we stick to the Ten yes. Commandments, I think it's everywhere. And Absolutely. then when you get to the 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, or whatever there is, maybe that's where uh, men or humanity or humans trying to govern humans or setting perimeters yes. for like a better term. Absolutely. And I'm glad that you brought that up because I can see that it might actually sound like I don't agree with religions. I do. I think that mm-hmm. they are beautiful. I think that they are very foundational in mm-hmm. teaching us exactly what you said, like love thy neighbor and treat people like you want to be treated, you know, right, those types right. of things. And, and and don't go out murdering people. That's not going to do good for the community. And, and you know all of these these, these tenants. You know these, right. these values. And 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 I think that that's beautiful. I think that that's very needed. Um, however, like you said, um, a lot of times it's fashion depending on culture or where you live or your family. And those are the things that I think we need to look at and go, oh, well, the creation story is a one way, depending on if you lived on a certain part of the world. But I also tell the creation story based on the Navajo legends and lore and all Mm -hmm. of that. And Mm -hmm. there is a, a similarity. We both have a creation story. But the one that is told as, um, to the tribe itself is more understood because of the culture and the place that it lives and it's fashioned mm-hmm. within how are we going to live together absolutely but if you bump them both up against each other you mm-hmm. know it's just like they're both answering the same questions you know and and those tenets of, of you know do unto others as you would have them do unto you is very very real and very very needed within society absolutely very interesting. How does science fit into the equation? Oh, yeah. This is so interesting. So science fits into the equation because those big questions that I was mentioning, you know, where did I come from? Where did the world begin? What is the creation story? What about the flood? What, well, who is my savior? What's going to happen at the end of the world? Is there an end? What happens afterward? All of these questions are actually addressed in the book. But I would be remiss if I didn't go outside of religious and spiritual beliefs and say, how does science approach these questions? Science, if you look in there, there is a creation story. There are historical floods that were recorded. There is like a savior or a hero could be like Einstein or, you know, those people who brought to us more information and enlightenment and and this progression. So I kind of wanted to ground the book so that it wasn't just religious specific, but it had to do with belief system being answered by a number of different things, including science. 
Very interesting. Very, very interesting. We talked a little bit about Tarot. You had mentioned it earlier and so forth. Please share with us the history of Tarot. Absolutely. So I think the Tarot is, in my research, I have mm-hmm. learned that the Tarot is really, really, really old. And um, it basically is based in Jewish mysticism. And mm-hmm. there is um, a Kabbalistic scholar who says, who, who speculates that the Tarot was the Jewish mysticism made into pictures so that they wouldn't lose their, their knowledge and their mysticism. And when they went into Egypt, way back in that, you know, in the Ten Commandments, speaking <laughs> of the Ten Commandments, right? And, and that um, because of that, it has stayed with us for so long, and it even goes before that. I mean, it speculates that it is so much older. That it's one of the oldest religions or belief systems. But then now we have it, and I actually do talk about the major arcana, uh, the 22 uh, major arcana cards in the book, and show how they do explain the creation story, how they do explain the flood, mm-hmm. how it does explain a hero and all of that. But it is such an old old belief system and I know today it has been demonized and and all of that but at the end of the day if you just step into the card and look around and, and, and gain what it is that you're perceiving it it's a huge teacher it really really is very interesting very very interesting is this where I guess for a layman's perspective the coming together of philosophy, religion, and mythology for us humans. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, you know, in just, in just speaking with you, I feel so inspired. And I, I just came up with this concept, um, so it's organic to your listening audience. <laughs> um, you know, we talk about religion and community or science and community or tarot and community or culture and community, and that these community structures help us to understand that we're similar, right? But there mm-hmm. comes a point that, that, like you were talking about, the 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th um, mm-hmm. commandment is actually shaped into that community in, in, in and of itself. And so we followed those, all of those tenets, all of those commandments in order to find our similarities. But here's the deal. What if our curiosity, which actually can burst that bubble or make us question that community, leads to our authenticity, and our authenticity leads to us being organically similar instead mm-hmm. of structurally similar? Right. I mean, you think about that. Yeah. Yes. Because your point is this, as we expand the 11, 12, 13, and so forth in the commandments and so forth for, for lack of a better term, custom tailored to my tribe, my community, right? Mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. The good, that's the good news. And the not so good news of that is that it becomes exclusive. And yeah. then when you look through the lens of exclusivity, well, mine is better than yours. So out of protection, yeah. instead of uh, what's interesting about it, because all the similarities that I, you found, not I, <laughs> that you found, and, and okay. everyone else, if we look at it, that found, 
when you look through the lens of love, there's a whole lot more similarities than differences. Mm. But what happens is yeah. that when you look through the lens of fear, then the differences yep. is far more important because whether for better or worse, hey, we're different. But most of the time, because we're better. And that yeah. creates that artificial wall that is becomes dogmatic, basically, and based on my understanding of what you're trying to relate. Uh, well said. Absolutely. Well said. That exclusive and, and then that fear and then that judgment and then the non-accepting of actually what it turns into is the non-accepting of, of self because you have mm-hmm. to fit into that exclusive thought process. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, this is, this is the beauty that I like to talk about as well to kind of, you know, take what you just said over the edge. Absolutely love and understanding. Look at yourself through the eyes and the lens of love and understanding. Look at everyone else, whether you agree with them or not, through the eyes of love and seek to understand why they have that lived experience and why they are looking at the world the way that they are. And the the part about authenticity is that in one way, it kind of says, well, isn't that kind of exclusive if you're saying you're authentic? No, because I will finish that sentence. I am (laughs) authentic just like you. I'm authentic just like you, which makes us similar in our authenticity. Mm -hmm. So true. So true. How does an awakening lead to enlightenment? Oh, absolutely. Um, And, you know, there are different definitions around awakening and enlightening mm-hmm. and, and, and what are they similar and everything. So I'll, climb it, I'll clarify where I'm coming from or the mm-hmm. lenses that I'm looking at it through this book. And awakening it to the spirit or the mind or the emotions is the same as an awakening to the physical body. So it's just like this experience of waking up. If you wake up in the morning, maybe some of us jump out of bed, some of us are a little groggy, but all of us are like, oh, well, I'm moving from dream time to this time, you know, and and, and we're waking up and, and we begin to start moving around, whereas enlightenment is kind of like where awakening is the morning, enlightenment is more like the noon time when every there was the greatest light. And everything is in the light, and there is this clarity around everything. And so in in, in the spirit, you know, when you feel enlightened or in the mind or the emotions, so it is within the physical realm looking at it, and it's it's the experience of standing in the sunlight, in in the physical realm, standing in the sunlight at, at the noon, which leads me to the concept that I look through is the four bodies of existence. The four bodies of existence that I see are um, the physical body, the emotional body, the mental body, and the spiritual body. And so it is your spirit and your mind and your emotions and your physical all go through this thing called awakening and enlightenment and being, and then there's something beyond that for all of the four bodies. Very, very interesting. That's really, really very, very interesting. How, what advice did you have for someone who is a little skeptical about the experience of being, becoming, and beyond? Oh, yeah. I love it. 
be skeptical. <laughs> That's what I would say. Do it, absolutely. <laughs> because, because in your skepticism, you are thinking and you are asking questions. And that's the point. So in the book, I don't solicit that one way of thinking or believing is better than another at all. I actually ask the reader to do you, you do you. And so with skepticism, I think that that's beautiful because if you're if you're skeptical, then start defining the questions. What what questions do you have? And mm-hmm. let those questions make you curious, and let those that curiosity lead you to your authenticity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. I coined that as if you are always wanting to make the best decision, best decision are based on informed decisions. Correct. 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 And, and the so, only way that you could be informed is asking questions and being curious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. Do you have a suggestion on the best way to read and apply this amazing book? Sure. Um, you know, it's kind of fun because I actually um, appeared in a, a book club that decided to pick up my book, and then they found me and reached out, and I was like, I would love to join your book club for an evening and answer <laughs> any questions and everything. So in a very interesting way, um, if you have a book club, walking through it with a group of people might be a lot of fun. However, if you're going to do it solo, if this is something that interests you, if you're curious about this, follow it. If you're not curious, no worries. It's not a problem. <laughs> but at the end of the day, pick up a journal. And because at the end of each tra- chapter, I give you journal prompts to self-discover. And so pick up a journal and then actually kind of it's, it's more like then it becomes a workbook. So it's not just an information overload. It really is kind of a tool that I'm offering to the, those who want to, you know, be curious about this aspect. It's a tool that allows you to find yourself more, 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 you know? Very, very interesting. That's true. Well, what it is also, it gives you a chance, a point of contemplation. And I always believe that the uh, life in general always provides a rear view vision of opportunities and possibilities that lies ahead. And yes. what you're doing is that your journal is triggering that process. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's giving us a point of reference to start that process. Absolutely. Where can someone go to buy your book, get more information about your events, workshops, and keep up with your latest happenings. Oh, absolutely. So just remember Granddaughter Crow and then Google www.granddaughtercrow.com and I do one-on-one sessions. I do a weekly um, like uh, online forum, which is called The Circle with a bunch of different spiritual topics that we approach on, on just, you know, how to, how to like get your, get yourself in that good headspace to approach your work, like be creative and be inspired and why to ground and center and all of that. I also have a place on there that shows my books. It also, I mean, you can basically go to any place that you get your book, call ahead, 
request it, they can order it. It's really easy, Amazon, et cetera. But at the end of the day, if this is something that makes you curious, I would be more than happy to connect with you. And if there is a question that any of your listeners have that they're like, well, what did you mean by this? Or why did you say that? Or talk more about this. Just email me. I try to be relatable, and also I try to be inclusive, and um, so I offer that to any of your listeners. You can find my my uh, email address on my website again: www.granddaughtercrow.com. Wonderful, wonderful. Looking back, the journey that you have taken—it took you about close to 20, 30 years or so to get this book together, even though it's out there, it's floating in the ether. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What nuggets of wisdom that you have yourself uh, been enlightened with? Mm. Mm. Wow. So I would say, like we've been talking about, Let your curiosity lead to your authenticity and let your authenticity allow you to look for other people's authenticity and and may we have a community of authentic people who all encourage, love, and inspire each other. And that's kind of and that's that's what I'm I'm here to do. I, I know what it feels like. It, mm-hmm. it was actually my pain. My pain led me to my love. I decided not to be afraid. I decided to engage in love, and and it, it led me home to myself. And I that's I think the biggest thing. Sounds like the journey of your curiosity led you to self empowerment. Yes, <laughs> you nailed it. That's got to be on a T-shirt. Absolutely. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what's next mm-hmm. for you? Well, I am writing another book, and mm-hmm. it's going to be the working title is like examining the internal narrative to see if the story that you are telling yourself, your internal narrative, actually aligns with your um, best lived life and your current situation. So it's, it's going to be an interesting, it's going to be another one. It's going to flow right in. Yep. <laughs> Fascinating. Really wonderful. As we are close to the end of the hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Yes. Yes. Um, There's so many good ones. There are so many good ones. I would say... Put love and seek understanding. Seek the the miracles because you will seek and you will find. Whatever it is that you are consciously looking for is actually going to appear. Ask questions because you could have all the answers right in front of you, but if you don't formulate a question, that answer cannot be applied. So love, understanding, ask questions, receive the answers, act on those answers, and live a Beautiful life on purpose. Beautiful. That's really wonderful. Granddaughter Crow, thank you for the wonderful recipe for living and for spending this hour with me. I'm from my Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Wednesday morning, January, uh, I believe it's the 18th, at 10 a.m. Central Time, U.S. My guest will be Teresa Villardi. She's a best-selling author, publisher, host of 
the conversation that makes a difference podcast coach and a potter. Teresa found her passion and purpose through life's challenges while trusting God's plan. Her faith, gratitude, and giving are her heart-centered approach to life. Teresa and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her latest book, A Daily Gift of Gratitude, a collection of stories from grateful hearts around the globe. As we continue with our January's theme, The New Me, The Journey Begins. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMom'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a very blessed New Year. Granddaughter Crow, it has been a true pleasure, ma'am. Thank you again and have a very blessed 2023. You too. Happy 2023. Thank you. Bye-bye.